0: Welcome to the Off Trail Podcast. I'm Constantine. And
1: I'm Magpie, and this is a show about light outdoors.
0: Come take a step with us into what it takes to be a hiker, backpacker, rock climber,
1: cyclist, or any other type of outdoor adventure. Let's
0: get to stepping. All right, welcome back to the Off Trail Podcast. My name is Constantine, and today we have the privilege of speaking with the one and only Jen from Alpine Fit. So Jen, thanks for hopping on the show with us.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited
1: to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm stoked. I love doing the episodes with people that find and build their own small company. So I'm really stoked about this one. Um, Yay! <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess how we're going to start because I usually start the show with that kind of big, broad, open-ended question of who are you? I guess I'm going to ask that, and then on the flip side of that coin, I'm also going to ask just a definition of what is Alpine Fit, and we'll unpack more of that as we go on. So it's a two sided question for you.
2: Okay. Um, sometimes I lose the, the thread of the two parts of the question, so <laughs> guide me back on track if we need to. <laughs> um, do. So, yeah, I am, well, I'm Jen. I live in Anchors, Alaska. I love spending time outdoors doing all sorts of things, uh, self-propelled travel by foot or ski or pedal or paddle, Um, if it's a multi-day adventure or multi-week adventure um, or multi-month adventure, um, that's, that's something I live for and dream of at all times. I have a family, I have a business where I make outdoor clothing, and I live in a place that you can easily access the backcountry and the endless wilderness right from my doorstep. So uh, I'm Canadian originally. I don't know what else more you want to know, but I'm happy to share whatever.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess I'm curious with the company because Alaska is, yeah, like the outdoor, in my head, playground. So how, how did you build this company and, I guess, bring me back to the roots of The idea, where where it got born, and then the growth of making that idea a reality.
1: Okay,
2: well, the company's called Alpine Fit, and the whole concept of it is centered around having a very sort of narrow, focused product range, so everything we make should function for, uh, should be super versatile and work for, you know, at least a handful, if not more, of your favorite kinds of outdoor activities, or be the one piece of gear that you need for those longer uh, multi-day, multi-week, multi-month types trips. So we started with a long sleeve base layer top. So just dialing in absolutely everything from all the features you need, um, the style lines to make it super versatile. Um, Just to back up a bit, like how I got into this is just like doing, you know, like three week kayak expedition type trips where you're going. Uh, hundreds of miles by sea kayak or uh, backpacking um, and hiking in South America and these kinds of trips that I went on, you just spend a lot of time, as you probably well know, (laughs) thinking about the positives and the negatives of the gear that you have with you in your extremely limited kit Mm -hmm. and dialing in those things. So it's basically like That plus the other building blocks that just I was fortunate enough to have in my career. So like some education in chemistry and textiles, um, science, um, a job in materials development. I worked in retail. I worked I had a small business uh, where I owned my own retail store for a while, just kind of like bringing those things all in together and then choosing to physically live in a place um, like Alaska and what I can do here. That's kind of vague, but, like, I'm happy to peel back the layers (laughs) on any one of those (laughs) parts.
0: I do want to get into the combination of all of those, but I guess before we get there, when you mentioned those 200, 300, 400, however, multi-hundred-mile trips and canoe, what was the thing that was standing out to you that was lacking? So you said you built it around, originally, um, a long-sleeve shirt, am I correct?
2: Yeah, so we, right now we make, yes, the original sort of, thing to design for this to exist is a long sleeve shirt, um, especially for Alaska adventures, but other places too where you need sun protection. Um, it, it's kind of like you're obviously going to bring some sort of a long sleeve yep. with you. For me, it had to be a fabric you could stand to wear against your skin all day, every day. I love merino wool, but there's some people who we, we make merino wool and then we make a non wool base layer as well. So this other non merino wool base layer um, it's a recycled poly base, so it's quick drying. Um, but we you, as everyone knows with synthetics, the odor issue that mm-hmm. exists with synthetics. So um, we brought in a silver, or I knew of a silver fiber technology, not a silver chemical. Technology, So it's not a chemical that's washed in, it, but it's actually silver in the fiber of it, which makes it permanently odor resistant.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so no matter how hard your body tries to sweat and produce your odor causing bacteria, the shirt's constantly resisting that thriving on the fabric. Mm-hmm. So you can stand to wear it for literally weeks on end without even having the chance to rinse it out or wash it out in any sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of all started with like sun protection comfortable against your skin, quick-drying, odor-resistant, um, and all of that sort of stuff. So our product line is super limited. It's base layer tops, base layer bottoms, uh, bushwhacking leggings, and then some really lightweight, versatile accessories. So a super lightweight merino wool hat that packs really small. It's comfortable for sleeping in. It fits under a helmet if your activity is biking or some other helmet sport, um, headbands and neck
0: gaiters. Well. I'm certainly a little biased here, but especially when you mentioned the limited product line, is like, I love when companies do that. I love when companies have a product that they say, we make this the best. They're, you're not going to find anything else better than this, in our opinion. And you just pursue making that, whether it's leggings, whether it's the shirt, you, you pursue making that the best you possibly can. It's, it's when yeah. there's more variety sometimes that like a little kind of love of uh, extra stitch here or a little bit, gets lost a little bit gets lost when you start branching out into thousands of product lines so i love that you touched on that point
2: yeah and um and then the other part that i haven't mentioned yet is is that it being a comfortable next to your body layer that you do want to grab for these you know it is that one long sleeve shirt that makes the cut to pack on your long trips Mm um it, we also put in fit options for body shapes. So we have all this cool technology with the fabric and the style lines and everything. And then for men's and for women's, um, you know, in quotes, people can wear whatever size or fit they should so choose. Uh, we have two fits based on women's body data and two fits ma- based on men's body data. So in like a women's, we have a curvier fit and a straighter fit in the bust and the waist and the hips zones and then in the men's we have two fits um one with a like more narrow waist or more room in the waist and sort of a men's cut of a shirt so like you literally can have this like ultra comfortable thing that feels good
0: okay yeah that's that's awesome because i've had i i personally even get emails of people that are looking for these body shapes come in all shapes and sizes (laughs) i didn't Mm -hmm. know a better way to say that but like there's so much variety in a body that it's hard especially if you're doing a business model of making a product line and having that in inventory and then yeah that's your only inventory you have small medium large extra large maybe even extra extra large but like you have an inventory and it doesn't really base out of those lines so it sounds like correct me if i'm wrong here it sounds like y'all's company creates to order is that correct
2: the shortest answer i'm not good at short answers (laughs) (laughs) me neither (laughs) we do pretty small batch production on certain things um and uh but we don't do made to order Uh, sometimes we're scrambling to keep up with orders which is great but um we uh we do like free hemming and things like that so that would be done on a per order uh basis Mm -hmm. um and we also do repairs too but um we do like make them in advance in like an extensive variety of sizes and fits so that like when you need to order it, we have like the inventory available in that size and fit. So it's kind of like a custom-like thing that's made in advance ready for you to order.
0: I just asked that that question because I was curious if you had solved the problem because you hear hear that issue a lot with smaller companies and especially in the outdoors is like trying to get that ideal fit for every body shape and to crea- it's, hard. It's, it's very difficult to create a product that is so individualistic you would have to do make to order but then if you do make to order you can't actually scale a business to be sustainable so i, I was wondering if you magically had solved <laughs> solved the issue um well you know
2: what i think as technology advances that will get more and more likely. the thing that's interesting to me is the companies that do the made to order yeah i mean it takes a lot of iterations to actually nail the fit so if you're taking someone's like um you know individual body dimensions and then think you're going to just draft up a modification on the pattern and sew it up and it's going to fit without them trying it on and like tailoring it to their body after they've tried on like it it's not a quick or fast process Mm -hmm. so i'm on. a very always like keen to read up and learn about what's happening in the realm of people that are, you know, saying they're making custom made fit things um, made to order when people order it. But like, I think, you know, what we did instead was just developed like right now we have a new product that we're planning on launching in the future. So we made all of the various sizes and fits in multiple copies and then have like literally more than 20 people, we're testing them on adventures right now mm-hmm. and then we'll get all of the data and back from that so like we're you know trying to do the thing where we do all of the research and product development and make sure we have different ready-to-go fit options that have been proven and wear tested on a lot of different bodies to make sure that they are functional and that there's certain things that accommodate these slight variances that we have but having more fits from the get-go means it'll fit
1: more people.
0: So those two, um, correct me if I'm wrong here. Those two types of sizing, well, you have sizing inside of it, but those two types of body styles. Can you unpack mm-hmm. that a little bit more of what that means for your product line? Like, what what are you doing with those two types of body styles? I guess what are you basing the body, the baseline of the body style off of, and then how are you implementing that baseline to conform to more individualistic needs?
2: I see what you're saying um okay so there's like a ton of body data out there um there's like this american standards and tests and measures uh, body data sets uh there's like old archival like u.s military <laughs> body body data measurement archives that you can kind of like go down a huge rabbit hole of uncovering all of this body data there's also like all this body data from like 3d scans that were done at various times over the last century and then of course different um, countries and ethnicities may have different body data sets as well. So Mm -hmm. basically, um, I went down a really big research rabbit hole of uncovering what we might choose to use for, you know, being in the U.S. or North America, centering it around a body data that was um, from, you know, a diverse data set from within our geographic area of the world. Um, and basically deduce that we should have at least two different averages Hmm. as the center base size for our body data set. So for women, most brands only make one shape and then they scale that shape up and down for the different sizes. So they have kind of like this fit model size and shape and then whether or not you size up or size down from that, the sort of like proportions are relative relative to each other um but there's no actual differences in like the hip or the bust significantly so it turns out that in the u.s um across you know the diversity and everything that we have here women's bodies have two different sort of centers of averages that Mm -hmm. are different based on what your proportion of the hip to the natural waist is on the lower half of your body, or what the natural waist is compared to the fullness of the bust or chest.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we started with two different starting places that have significantly different proportions to one another. So overall, one has, uh, for bottoms, a narrower waist and fuller fullness through the hip seat, and the other one has more fullness in the waist and like less fullness through the hip seat zone, and then the similar in the from the bust to the waist. So. Um, those were our two starting places. And then we did a ton of sampling and ton of fit testing, having real humans that do real outdoor activities Mm -hmm. that are our target customer actually use the gear and then modify it from that.
0: Okay. So yeah, the two, have you found that covers, again, it's not going to cover a hundred percent, but have you found that covers a vast majority of people looking for a certain shape, a certain size, a certain fit? Have you found that those two kind of hit the market Mm -hmm. that you're looking for?
2: It's drastically better than only having one,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, but it's the pursuit of m- more in the future. Um, you know, we currently offer free hemming for people who have a shorter inseam or shorter sleeve length. We'll shorten the sleeve lengths as well. Um, obviously, we need to add tall, and then we obviously could extend beyond the double extra large that we're currently at, and certainly we could add another body shape in the future. So. Um, you know, it's kind of like our pursuit is going to be perfecting this base layer and this kit of gear, but also offering more and more fits in those core products that we make, rather than, like you said earlier, like diversifying to a whole bunch of different products. So it's going to be kind of like always improving and, and expanding um, the fit. The fit thing, like just having two choices, even um, across. You know, instead of having six sizes in something, we have 12 choices in something. Um, or if you add the men's, you know, 24 choices across the size range and fit shapes. Um, I have, a, we have a lot of people that are like, oh my goodness, I have never had hiking pants or hiking leggings that have fit me ever. Um, <laughs> I can't believe that can stuff happened. Every day, Um, but could it be better? Always, (laughs) it could fit more people better
0: for sure. Wow, y'all are manufacturers, but also scientists, (laughs) diving deep, diving diving deep (laughs) down those holes. I have a
1: chemistry degree.
0: (laughs) Do you really?
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Wow, applying that to clothing, clothing manufacturing—that's impressive. So, (laughs) I want to get more into. uh, I guess I want to jump back to a little bit of the creation of the business. So. When did you guys yeah. open your brick and mortar building? Because you have a brick and mortar, correct?
2: Um, yeah. So our little manufacturing studio workshop, I mean it started at a tight in a tinier one. Um so okay, I'm terrible at directly answering questions. <laughs> like spring twenty nineteen is when I consider that we officially launched. Okay. And you it- Anybody who ever wanted to show up at our workshop space to purchase something um, were, of course, always welcomed, and we did a lot of, like, pop-up shopping events. So I kind of consider we were open with brick-and-mortar from the Mm -hmm. get-go, but we did just open a little store attached to a women's um, cycling clothing store here in Anchorage last November and but then again you can come shop at our workshop always we have like a shopping display at the entranceway but you can also like see our sewing machines and fabric rolls and our design space and
0: stuff so, so i asked the brick and mortar question because it's, it's my own ignorance here with the state of alaska but is is a lot of your demographic built in the state of alaska are you guys shipping to all across the u.s are you providing through hikers runners like what is oh, I get yeah. I guess your demographic? Is it, is it meant for Alaskan travel specifically, or is it broadly just for U.S. travel across the world? Travel, yeah. What was it built for?
2: I would say our unique. Playground of Alaska being so north. I mean, we do get summer weather here, and we do uh, most Alaskans that can afford to leave Alaska for some fun adventures other places, yeah. <laughs> as for, certainly in like the winter months of the shoulder seasons. So um, I would say uh, I don't have the percentages off the top of my head, but yes, a large Uh, customer base for us right now is in Alaska mostly because we do a lot of in-person events up here Mm -hmm. Uh, but we have a growing online business for sure and we have a lot of happy customers um, in you know like Maine and even like the Carolinas and then a lot of the Pacific Northwest states like a lot of Montana, Colorado, Oregon, Washington State, even California and stuff so you know, we don't have a huge budget, we're not like a big, um, we don't have a huge marketing, you know, Doing these podcasts right now is like (laughs) me sticking myself out there. And like, I I would rather, I always say this, but like, I would rather hide away and just make a cool product. Putting myself (laughs) out there is hard. And so, slow word of mouth is kind of how we're growing. So, it's like, oh, someone in Alaska sent a gift to someone in Maine, and then all of a sudden they got it and they love it. They tell their friends, and then all of a sudden we get like this pop of orders in Maine. That's kind of how it's happening. Um, But it's, it's pretty early days, but you can adventure. All over the world, in our stuff. We've had people go on like um, trips across Europe wearing our stuff. Um, South America. We had some bike packers that were doing the entire length of South America um, on a bikepacking packing trip uh, over many, many. Well, they started at pre-COVID and had to take a break from COVID, and they just finished like the last. I don't even know how many thousands of miles, and they were wearing Alpine Fit stuff. Nice um, to bike pack South America. So, like, it's suitable for all different climates and types of adventures and it's just a matter of time to get the word out but yeah through hikers i'm gonna to go to pacific crest trail days oh. in august i'm really excited about that
0: that's awesome you are gonna have a booth there yes oh super cool yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask about through hikers bees i mean half of, i don't even know the demographic of it but like more than half probably are through hiking listening to this right now so i was gonna ask about the product line making its way to like the long distance trails is it is it uh, i'm not a big lightweight junkie but i guess i'm asking is it lightweight enough for somebody to want to put on their back for thousands of miles? Like, do you guys build that into the product line as well?
2: Uh, yes. So, um, we have our weights of our products on the website, so people can see and judge where that fits in their, in their base weight and, you know, their kit. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is a consideration. And the idea too, with it being like such a versatile, um, and the quick drying and the order resistant, like if you're talking about bringing, Multiples of anything, which I know is a hard no for most people, <laughs> but it's it's got the features in that makes it be the one shirt that you bring. Okay. Um. So yeah, that's definitely um, and it's just basically because I don't like marketing, yeah. or it's hard for me to do marketing to tell the three hikers that we exist. Um, but we do exist, and we know I know that there's lots of people who have done some trips with our stuff. Um, so hopefully that starts spreading the word in that realm as well. But yeah, we have a lot of like um, long distance Alaska adventurers that wear our stuff exclusively for their, I mean, we don't have a lot of long trails here, but we have a lot of really long back country routes that people plan themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's some sort of, a, there's some, in quotes, Alaska famous adventurers that love to bring our stuff on their long backcountry
0: Alaska trips nice speaking on the people that don't like to bring multiple things I pack out six pairs of socks all the time so maybe I'm not the (laughs) target maybe I'm not the target audience here but I want I want (laughs) I want to get into the portion of what you touched on of saying you don't like marketing bees personally even I've experienced this but then also a lot of people that I talk to I guess in the outdoors specifically don't really enjoy marketing so for you I guess what I'm asking with that is why don't you like marketing? What 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 takes you away from seeing that as a plus and puts it more into, I guess, a con column? So yeah, why, why don't you like marketing?
2: Um, I would say that I just don't think that I can ever choose to pray like I just don't naturally prioritize it, mm-hmm. and I see that there's so many companies out there that have. I guess also I'm a little bit like I have imposter syndrome, um, which is slightly, which is like, I want something to be just like the most, m- most ultimately futuristic, perfect version of it that it could possibly be before I would like put my, put it out into the world. So like, that's always going to hold me back from telling you that we have this amazing thing, even though other people, like I, it usually involves like other people being like, it is amazing now. You know, like, I know you're thinking, like, six months, six years ahead, but, like, it is amazing now. People do need to know about it now. Um, So I guess, like, I see that there's a lot of products out there that seem to be just, like, a mediocre product Mm -hmm. with really good marketing, and that just makes me feel upset that I'm not naturally good at marketing. Um, And I just feel like I've also just had – some successes and failures in trying to figure out what it is that you're, you could, you could waste a lot of money, um, doing marketing activities that are hard to measure, um, if they're successful for you or not. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like it's hard to know, you know, like it's hard to know what's going to work. So I'm a little bit afraid to waste a lot of money on it. It also feels, like, sort of false, and I would rather this, like, super great um, word-of-mouth experience to just happen, but obviously yeah. marketing helps that happen quicker, and, like, I just am, like, really torn by it, because marketing's important. Having a viable, sustainable business, part of that is having a good marketing plan.
1: Yeah.
2: And, you know, being able to, like, pay your team well and, you know, keep going and develop future cool products means you've got to sell the things that you're currently You know putting out into the world so i just like have a weird relationship (laughs) with marketing i can talk about my stuff when people like you ask me questions Uh um but like man it's hard
0: (laughs) well i I guess i asked that question because again on a personal level i feel it but also like the more i chat with people that create cottage companies and that create a product that they love they don't necessarily like a high percentage don't necessarily like the marketing portion and i I think there's a lot of emotion, especially in the outdoors and hikers, backpackers, I don't know, rock climbers is like, there's a lot of emotion because they love the sport or they love the activity they're on. And it feels Mm -hmm. sometimes a little bit, I don't know what the best word for it is, but untruthful to market something that you feel like is the ideal product or you feel that you feel like marketing at a certain point sometimes feels dishonest, at least in, my opinion.
2: Yeah, or contrived. Like it just, it seems something about it. Like I'm trying to put ourselves out there more on social media and it's like sometimes we'll have like, you know, a bunch. Social media is not a great example because, well, it, it is maybe, but it's like, you know, I'll put something out there that took a really low effort and it'll get like, you know, a lot of engagement and maybe some orders will come into our website from it. Mm -hmm. And then in contrast I'll spend a couple of weeks coming up with like, you know, putting a lot of hard work into some educational videos about our fabric or things that I think that our audience should want. And then it's like low engagement, no no new visits to the website or whatever. So it's just like I just it just seems like such a challenging thing and even finding service providers to help you with it is hard.
0: And I think that's it, is like to market it, which is a necessity for many companies, but especially for people that follow their passion in the outdoors and create a smaller company is like, it feels, I, I guess the best word I have for it here is a little bit fake sometimes is like you said, mm-hmm. you have to put out a specific type of post. You have to put out a specific type of copy, copyright. Mm-hmm. You have to put out a specific wording to engage and it's not your own voice. It's, it's the voice to hit the masses and it's not the voice of how you actually feel.
2: Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you're, when you're an entrepreneur, you're super busy, you wear so many different hats. It's really hard to, like, you know, you would want to have a certain voice and you'd want to have everything be, like, really true and organic and truthful. And, and like, um, I mean, and I do, like, I care so much about every single word that is, like, s- that we say about our stuff or we put on our product descriptions or this goes out in an email. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable and time consuming. <laughs> yeah to make it actually be compelling, but actually, you know, tick all of those boxes. So it's just marketing is exhausting.
0: That's what it is. (laughs) Well, that's, that's why I love these podcasts is because technically you could qualify this under quote unquote marketing for, especially when I'm talking to guests that own smaller companies, but it just feels truthful. It feels like we're just sitting down and having a chat and getting to hear who the person is and not their product is bear proof or their product is mountain lion proof. It's like, No, we just get to chat and, like, hear, like, the passion behind a certain product or a certain company.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you were asking me the questions, but, like, I already (laughs) felt in the first, whatever, five or ten minutes of this that I was talking too much about me and my product, but I guess that's that's what we're doing but it's also like in my head i'm like oh no i'm talking too. it's not a commercial stop talking about these things
0: (laughs) i mean you can ask me the questions but then it's just going to be weird i I think the show is built to learn more about you
2: (laughs) i know i know it's just like yeah it's just like there's a visceral component to it but um yes this is me practicing putting myself out into the world which will hopefully translate for to me getting more comfortable telling the world about the awesome things that we make and the Places you can uh, feel comfortable adventuring
0: while wearing them. Well, I, I love it. So quick side tangent because you touched on it sure. about people going on adventures out in Alaska. You might know this better than I do, but I remember seeing like okay. an article maybe a year ago somewhere in that ballpark that was talking about a long-distance trail being built somewhere in like the 700 to 800-mile range. Like they were going to yes. use existing trails. Is Do you know uh-huh. where that is in the works? Do you know anything about that?
2: Um, okay, so if you want some updated info on it, um, Alaska Trails is the nonprofit organization that is, like, organizing-ish. I don't want to misspeak here, but if you go to Alaska Trails, I think it's .org, mm-hmm. alaskatrails.org. Uh, it's called the Alaska Long Trail, and it is still in progress of development. I think you're right. It's going to be – sorry, I feel like I did just know this and then my brain just lost it. It's at mm-hmm. least 500 miles. It might be 700. Okay. And it's going to connect um, a whole bunch of partially existing trails um, that connect Seward, Alaska to Fairbanks, Alaska, which is just like an absolutely breathtaking, like, variety of beautiful terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very excited for that to um, continue forward. Um, we're actually looking at supporting some of the work the Alaska Trails does this year through the business side of things like because nice. that's an important they do a lot of good work for trails in alaska in general but i'm very excited also about that project
1: mm-hmm.
2: um but yeah seward alaska you're starting with like the coast and uh fjords and um rainforest type conditions and then it will pass through uh you'll go past like views of denali eventually Wow. Um, in alaska everyone knows what that is but like the highest peak in north america for those that don't know um and uh then you end up like all the way in interior alaska um so you're just you're just gonna pass just so much beautiful terrain on that and a lot of um wilderness and remote conditions it's just it's gonna be really
1: cool i'm very excited
0: i'm excited too i mean it's been on loosely on my radar for i guess when i ever since i read that article and at least from the very small amount of information I had. It looks like they were just trying to cut in the connecting trail pieces from the already yeah, des- well, designated trails. Yeah,
2: there's old I did, There's old like historic Iditarod trails. So like where the Iditarod goes now versus where it went historically. Um, so some sec- sections of that would be like, um, you know, connecting some of these old sections that are as heavily used. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I don't know like i don't know off the top of my head like completion date or what's like the parts that are currently under in progress are, be, are quote missing mm. um but it is very exciting and i hear more and more about it so i feel like it's yeah. you know, coming to the fore in on that recent like sometime horizon soon hopefully
0: as soon as it's ready <laughs> i'm heading up to alaska that's been too high on the bucket list for far too long <laughs> I, I said bushwhack, and you said bushwhack leggings, and I want to touch on bushwhack because that keeps popping back into my mind. Is I've had some buddies that have bushwhacked up in Alaska, and they say it's a whole different level of bushwhacking than down in the I guess continuous forty-eight. So when you built, I guess it's going to be another two-part question. When you built, the, built these bushwhack leggings, how do you create something that is ready for a level of bushwhack that you're just fully stuck in the brush? How, how do you create? A product of that and also I guess I'm asking can you also define Alaskan bushwhacking for for me and for the listeners
2: um sure uh well the, <laughs> yeah two-part question the bushwhacking leggings basically so many people like to hike in leggings leggings are comfortable but they're not the seams of them and the fabrics of them are not really great for scraping against tree branches and um you know all kinds of different uh, thorns and other kind of brush. Mm. Uh, so the bushwhacking leggings basically ha- are kind of like a hiking pant legging hybrid. So kind of an abrasion resistant water repellent front fabric that's more sturdy than a regular legging fabric, but then the comfort and construction um, of a legging fabric in other of legging in other places. So uh, yeah, they're built more sturdy with a different fabric and seam construction. And then also with our repairs that we offer, we offer free repairs uh, (laughs) that built into the cake of if you really push the limits on these, let us know and we'll repair anything that might have happened. (laughs) Um, So, uh, which we can do because we have our own manufacturing space. But um, so Alaska bushwhacking, oh man. It could be alder thickets. It Mm -hmm. could be uh, devil's club um, or cow parsnip. Uh, Just these absolutely horrendous, like, (laughs) as tall as your neck thickets of Uh. of tree branches and thorny plant things that you can't even, you know, you're going down some sort of a gully and you want to hold on to something and anything around you is just, like, thorn-covered plant vegetation that rips out of the ground <laughs> when you touch it it can be really gnarly I, I guess I um does that paint a good enough picture for you I don't know it's, it can be really gnarly like uh, uh, imp- unpassable. impassable impassable yeah.
0: I, I think uh, why I asked that and why I wanted that picture to be painted I does paint a pretty good picture is because I've never heard of bushwhack leggings <laughs> like I picture leggings and I picture a thin fabric that you catch it on one thorn and it's just gonna rip directly through it. So, I guess that's why I wanted the picture to be painted because, like, for a pair of leggings to be bushwhack resistant or bushwhack proof, whatever it may be, is like, it's a different type of product line than I've ever heard of, heard of.
2: Yeah, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was that one product was definitely based on this. Like, I did um a Gates of the Arctic Brook Range, Brooks Range pack rafting trip, um whatever, a handful of years ago. And we did this awesome, like, 20-mile side hike um, up sort of up the edges of a creek to try to go find some rumored hot springs. Mm -hmm. And there's no trail. There's not even, like, old game trails. There's no social – like, there's no trails at all. And we kept having to cross the creek, like, hopping over these boulders from side to side – And, like, literally just forcing ourselves forward through brush to try to make our way up this creek. So it was, like, just a crazy long 20-mile-side day. And you're literally just, like, threading the needle of your body, like, pushing through spruce branches, alder branches, and devil's club. And, yeah, the seams on your clothes kind of get ripped to shreds. And the front half, you know, you're getting soaked from the front if the the brush is wet, so the water repellents the other front. And then, yeah, just, like scraped like you're pushing yourself through a car wash, (laughs) brushed like a lot of the way. So um, yeah, it was born out of that.
0: Okay, so I want to circle back a little bit to when you combined the passion of hiking, the passion of the outdoors with the company aspect. You said you worked in retail, but then you kind of put Mm -hmm. those two halves of your life, life together. So I guess what I'm asking with that is the reality versus the expectation. So you had segmented, or not consciously segmented but you have these two halves of your real life and you put them together so what's the reality of working in a field of your passion like does it increase your passion does it kind of the work i not drag down but does the work lose some of the flavor of passion i guess what's the reality of combining those two for you
2: i think that i combined um two aspects of it that are significantly different enough that i'm not um you know like my passion for the outdoors is higher than my passion for personal sewing projects.
0: Fair. to get me. Yeah, fair. So, fair.
2: <laughs> so I get to make products that I get to then test outdoors. And mm-hmm. the only conflict in my brain is, is that being an entrepreneur takes so much time
1: yeah.
2: all the time. And your brain is like, re- it's really hard to not be on. You could always be doing more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so for me, it's the time aspect of it. Conflicts more than the passion part of it because I'm so deeply passionate. I'm always thinking about little gear things that we could do, should do tweaks, changes, fabric composition. Oh, how's this drying, you know, with my hydration pack against my back versus my, um, you know, my, my backpacking backpack. Um, Like, I love that. I think that those things are very synergistic, but for me, the time, like the time of being an entrepreneur is a huge time suck and it's hard to get away for multi-weeks or, you know longer trips also complicated by having two kids at the at, that are children age yeah <laughs> um <laughs> that's also that's also hard but uh you know you just got to do it all and don't ever I don't really get time to do my own personal sewing projects so I would say if my whole deep passion was to to turn to, to turns yeah I don't know what I'm trying to say there but well, I think that they're synergistic.
0: Welcome to our Pocket Snack Ad Break. Now is the time during the show, during your hike, during your adventure, to reach into that hip belt pocket, to reach into that gear pouch, and treat yourself, get yourself a nice little snack as we go through a bit of our quote-unquote ad. Can it be an ad if we're mostly talking about our own company? Don't know. That's, uh, that's for better minds than ourselves. So welcome to the Pocket Snack Ad Break. Um, sit down, walk, do what you will, but make sure to grab that snack as you listen in. So we wanted to talk about Eleven Skies. Eleven Skies is the company that we formed two years ago and we are hyper-focused in creating shorts and pants for the outdoors person, the hiker, the backpacker, the rafter, the bicyclist, anything and everything. Built a product that will last for any adventure ahead and it's also born, the very name is born from the Eleven National Scenic Trails. So you can be proud to be representing promoting and bringing about awareness to the 11 National Scenic Trails and the very trails that gave us our name and continue to inspire us. So make sure to follow along with us at 11 Skies on Instagram, Facebook, and make sure to go check out our website 11skies.com spelled 11skys.com where you can learn all about us and you can get yourself some gear today. So that's the quick pocket snack ad break. Hope you enjoyed your snack. If you're still chewing, keep on keeping on. Let's get back into the show. I guess why I asked that, like, even outside of being at the brick and mortar, kind of 9 to 5 or being an entrepreneur, not not 9 to 5, but whatever, 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., whatever it is, like, the, the, hours, the hours are endless. But I guess even outside of, like, when you're at the business itself, I guess I asked that question as when you combine your work and play and you're hiking on a trail or you're on a canoe trip, does your mind start, not playing tricks on you, but does your mind start feeling guilty that you're not back at the company producing what you need to produce? Does your mind start taking you away from the play that you loved because it's now intertwined with the work? Um,
2: I think that I've just learned that I, my mental health and the ability to do a good job require me to have this of my identity which is spending time outdoors Mm -hmm. and so like i know that i'm like benefiting the other of course there's an endless to-do list waiting for me when i get back but i'm always more able to tackle the to-do list when i get back and i have an awesome team um that really know that i need to have my outdoor time Mm
1: -hmm.
2: i mean the benefit of being an entrepreneur is you technically do make your schedule and yes it tends to be 5 a.m till 10 p.m instead of <laughs> some shorter <laughs> schedule when you're on yeah. but there's also no constraint to you planning well and having those long trips built into your your life if you can
0: yeah I, I had a friend that had a quote that when he went into business for himself he's like i traded in the nine to five for a 24 7
2: yeah it's true <laughs> it's really true like yesterday you know, it was the week? I don't. I don't know what day this will will air, but mm-hmm. for the day of recording, yesterday was the weekend, and it's Sunday morning. And I got up before six a.m. because my mind was spinning on some um, design stuff I wanted to work on. Yeah. And I wasn't upset about it. I got up and made coffee at six a.m. on a Sunday morning when I was tired, but I was like super excited to work on something. And so I went and sat at my desk and like worked on some design stuff. Yeah. And fast forward like four hours later. <laughs> and it's like oh I, I i don't feel bad about how i started my day today <laughs> but this is my choice <laughs> what am i doing
0: yeah especially when you own a small company especially when you own a smaller company it's like you can start i don't know we're recording this on monday you can start you can start a monday with a to-do list with 10 things and by the end of the monday you might have crossed off five but then added 15 and you're just like oh, yeah. how, how did this happen <laughs> this is not okay yeah. this is not okay so it's just is an ever-growing list yeah,
2: and it's like balance. Uh, we talk about this too sometimes, but like balance for me isn't like balancing work and rest. It's kind of just balancing all the things that are important to me. Yeah. So I do have to sleep because I can't function if I can't. But then the rest of it is just fitting in all the stuff I want to do outdoor time, work time, family time. Just got to do it all <laughs> yeah. and I, sleep.
0: <laughs> I actually was just on a hike, let's see, a week ago at this point and I have these alarms on my phone that go off at 6 p.m., 7 p.m., and 8 p.m. And the buddies I were hiking with were like, why do you have these alarms on your phone? I'm like, I need an alarm to tell me stop working when I'm off trail. Like my mind won't find that in its natural progression. Like I'll look up and it's whatever time, 8 or 9 p.m. Like I need the alarms to say, okay, you need to take a breath. You need to stop and actually like breathe because if you burn yourself out, you're not going to work as efficiently, so <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to segment that time.
2: Yeah, there was a while where I would like you. I would even work straight through lunchtime, mm-hmm. um, and not and be like starving and bonking at like three p.m.
1: Yeah,
2: on a workday, and like I would have packed a lunch, and I would be hungry. I just couldn't like stop or take the brain break, or like didn't even acknowledge that I needed to go do that so it was like I, for a while I had this policy that if I glanced at the clock between 12 and 1 p.m regardless of whether or not I was in the middle of something I had to drop what I was doing and go eat my lunch so it wasn't an alarm but it was like this mental thing that like oh it's between 12 and 1 like go eat lunch now or you will really regret it at three o'clock today.
0: <laughs> and they, they don't teach that in business classes they don't teach you of like how you have to segment your time and I think that's like, one of the most important things with the company is like Especially when you create the yeah. company yourself, is like time is your own, but it's also not when you own a small company. And like having to structure, it is nine tenths of the battle. Like if you structure it correctly, you can achieve much, but you've got to structure it correctly.
2: Oh, totally. And you can't just always keep working either, because then you get super inefficient. Your eyes start like glazing over, <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> you've got to take those breaks and get out.
0: Yeah, the, the glazing of the, the eyes—you just look into somebody else's, like. Okay, nobody's in there right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go do yeah. my thing. <laughs> so, yeah. so I guess you touched on it too. Is I like to talk about that a lot in the show is the balance. So you created the brick and, brick and mortar in 2019, so f- four years now. You sound like you found a good balance. Has that balance evolved as the companies become more of the forefront and more, become more popular? Like, Are you finding a balance that works for you now?
2: Uh, yes, I would say it's a pursuit of perfection, just like ever perfecting the fit and the base layer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we did it a lot. We're always like throwing spaghetti at the wall or whatever. So trying to figure out what's, what we should do as part of like the business model. Last summer, we did a ton of pop-up shopping events. Mm-hmm. And that just like drove me into the ground. I didn't really get in shape for... Um, running the way I wanted to last summer I didn't do as many long hikes as I wanted to last summer and stuff like that so this year it's like just trying to get better and better every year so it's like okay we're going to go to this like trail mountain race festival that has a shopping like vendor fair thing in the beginning of July then we're not going to do another one until whatever date because it's like we've got to figure out the pieces of the business model that are successful and sustainable that don't like just take me working even more than that 24 seven, which obviously doesn't exist, but, um,
0: 25, seven. So
2: yeah. (laughs) Um, well, like for instance, we did a vendor fair thing at um, a big music festival here, which was super, super fun. But it was full immersion because you're camping right at the music festival, so you're getting like no sleep because the music and the partying is going all night, Mm. and it's like you're you're fully like full body immersion. Like even when you're asleep and supposed to be recovering, you're still physically at work. Yeah, (laughs) and it's just like okay, that's a lot. Uh, We can only do those spread out over time. So (laughs) um, yeah, I would say I've found better and better balance now, and it's just like a learned thing over time. What's too much? Dial it back. Uh, try to do something else that can replace that and grow the business more sustainably, more viably, and like consider that my time and my health are very important for its continuing existence.
0: Yeah, because you, you gotta find the return on your time. It's, it's like those oh yeah the, those pop-up events, while they can be fun, while they can get your brand out there, while they can get the name out there, if you're making a few sales, the return on your time is not as well as it could be spent in the office or at a completely different event or at a different spot. And like, it's through trial and error that you have to just keep going through that to find where you get the return on your time.
2: Yeah, and some things it's hard to measure um, for sure. And like, I, what I really need to get better at is figuring out how to balance when I do those trips, like how to prepare before I leave and how to like the re-entry after to make sure like I get out on the trail. Mm-hmm like the morning those things start and because sometimes when those things go for three days you're you're just standing on concrete ground or like outdoor space or pavement or whatever for a number of days and then you kind of like finish those and you're like oh I'm so tired but I didn't actually like go do the thing that fills me up like
1: mm-hmm. in
2: my brain and health wise so just like proactive planning and getting better at that Oh, that's tough. It's tough. I, I, I could use some advice on how to, like, make sure you get out for a trail run while you're on the road for a trade show. Could, I'm not, I don't have a good success rate with that.
0: <laughs> I could use some advice too. So for people listening, please email all of us here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I guess, I guess we could say caffeine is the kind of small business owners kind of crutch or best resource, but is hiking the fuel that continues to give you the energy? Is the outdoors the fuel that c- continues to give you the energy to pursue it? What What is the thing that you're harnessing that gives you that energy to work that twenty five I like that term twenty five seven schedule. What what's the What's the fuel that's giving you that energy to continue?
2: Oh my goodness, I don't even know if I could answer that. I mean, I have I usually have one maximum two cups of coffee a day. Yep. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I can be so tired, have worked so hard on that never-ending to-do list, and sometimes when I'm falling asleep, I'm, like, literally excited to wake up and work on it again in the morning. Wow. So, I think it's just some sort of maybe thing that's a little bit, like, just, I don't want to say, like, weird or, like, wrong with me, (laughs) (laughs) but, like, it doesn't actually make sense. Um... I think I just love probably, oh my gosh, these sound like those like interview questions where you're like, tell me something that's not good about you. You're like, I'm too hard of a worker. (laughs) Um, It's so uh, I think I just love, I get a real high from problem solving Hmm. and creative problem solving. And I think it's just something that drives me like innately. So like, I'm just excited to have this never ending pursuit of problem solving and, wow. like, that holy grail of getting there one day on solving the problem. But you, I will have thought of other problems to solve after that. <laughs> yeah. I just love problem solving. Like, that's it. <laughs>
0: huh. That's a. have never heard that answer. That's a really unique version of seeing the fuel for it. That, that's really cool. And like you said, yeah, there's going to be, you solve one problem, ten more pop up. It's just, like, the list. Like, it's, it's never ending.
2: Yeah, like, of course I love the, like, future trips that I'm planning to get out on and stuff like that. But it's, like... I don't know if you peel back, like drill down a little bit more. Like, I don't do this because, you know, in two months I'm going to be excited to be like pack rafting whatever mm-hmm. route or river or whatever. I do, I, I would do that anyway, no matter what my job was. Mm-hmm. So I must do this because I like problem solving.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I have another tangent in question here because we talked on okay. the Alaska Trail. And I'm just curious, have you? plan and i know it's hard to plan it when you're working 25 7 but have you planned have you done any of the long trails in the states like the PCT cdt is that on the radar for you at all
2: oh it's totally on the radar um yeah i most of my longer distance travel has been in alaska
1: mm-hmm.
2: i have not done any i totally have like I don't know whatever that is like that feeling in high school when you're like oh I'm not cool enough to talk to these people um when I haven't done the, any of the classic um you know long trails that you have done and a lot of your um other interviewees have done mm-hmm. uh they're definitely on my list I'm very excited and nervous to go to Pacific Crest Trail days um for that reason hmm. um and you know that's just me being honest it's like yeah i should have done some of these i will do some they're definitely hot on the list of trying to figure out how to plan to do some yeah um and in the meantime i mean i have a pretty decent uh you know history of alaska wilderness trips that i've been on that no one's ever heard of
0: <laughs> I, I'm, cu- I'm, <laughs> I'm curious are, are they route routes that you created or are they trail systems up in alaska
2: um, there's not a lot of trail systems, mm-hmm. so the trips that I've done, and again, I like to adventure by def- many modes of transportation, but, you know, we've done 150-mile <clears throat> trips in the Gates of the Arctic Brooks Range, which involves hiking and um, packrafting,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, so I've done a couple long trips up there. Um, I've done a 200-mile sea kayak trip, um, which involved some side hikes, but mostly the, the A to B part of that was paddling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was all planned. I mean, we're following coastline, but we have to plan our own routes and self-supported and uh, where we went and started and, start and finished. So, yeah, they're all wilderness trips that we've just researched other people's trips and planned our own routes. And, you know, you're you're constrained by... Where you can get to in the road system, or if you need to go get dropped in on some headwaters by a float plane, yep. and where those places can take you. But yeah, most of my trips have been um, personally researched and planned by me and my um, my partner, my husband, um, and long time adventure partner. Um, so yeah, they're just different. They're not existing A to B sort of things. So you're just like researching other people's beta, talking to people that have done similar trips, doing the research yourself, getting, um, you know, your route planned, planned using yeah. either old or new technology.
0: Well, I I gotta say those things. The longer I continue to hike those routes mm. or just picking 150 miles on a map, they're more fulfilling. So like you say, you, on the ATPCT CDT. You're looking outside in and being like, oh, I want to do that. And it's a great journey, but at a certain point, it's just time. Um, It's just time because you're following a very well-defined trail. So you're just consuming a lot of your time within that. And these routes feel like they give you, I don't know how to put a word to it, but they feel like they give you more sometimes. So with all the adventures in Alaska you've done, I mean, you have a wealth, wealth of knowledge of hiking it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's definitely just, like, um, the unique experience here, and you don't see people. So, like, I feel like I think I'm really interested in checking out the long trails in what we, we call the lower 48 mm-hmm. um, up here. Um, I, just because I feel like um, some of the really fun experiences I've had have been when you end up intersecting with other groups of hikers. So yeah. I feel like it's a different experience that I, when I hear the storytelling of what happens on the trails, like you've been on where where you meet these people and, you know, even the trail names thing, like you don't see people on the trails up here. You just <laughs> don't, you don't see people for days or weeks. <laughs> like, yeah. and um, Like there are like these starting place and finish place sort of hubs where you would connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and those have been some really awesome, memorable experiences. So I think I'm very interested in checking out um, some of the long trails, just to also have that like human component yeah. to, uh, to the adventure.
0: Yeah, there definitely is a culture specifically around those well-traveled trails, and like, yeah, you can't get it anywhere else because it's the people that make that culture. So you're gonna have a you're gonna have a ball at PCT Trail Days, and it's it might stoke that fire to hop on that trail a little sooner than later.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, it's like that fire is burning Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: for sure. <laughs> so uh, my mind works in weird ways, but I would be remiss if I if I didn't ask this question. And this may be my own ignorance speaking here with the state of Alaska. But I'm assuming you have many grizzly bear encounters, not daily, but I'm assuming I'm assuming yeah. you've had at least a few grizzly bear encounters. So I guess my question is, what was your best story of a grizzly bear encounter? Oh,
2: man. Um, best story, I probably, oh, man, when, it's all relative, right, I know people that have some really good grizzly bear stories, like, um, you know, oh, man, um, uh, mine, I don't know, okay, <laughs> <laughs> probably just, like, the best one that is the most memorable to come to mind, um, one is it's been a couple of days we're high and we haven't seen people animals or anything and we're just hiking along. And I realized that we're in this beautiful blueberry patch and I'm like, Oh berries. And I bend down and start picking up berries. And then I like look up and there's like a grizzly, a big Brown bear just there, like also munching on the berries. And you're just like, Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> and so like <laughs> drop the pack, got out my flare, got out my bear spray stand tall and say hey bear slowly and and the bear bounded away so that wasn't very like exciting or dramatic but it was just like oh i'm doing the thing like oh berries like just (laughs) (laughs) it's like the bear found that too and then the next day after that on the same trip we were on the river paddling and it was like We had seen a grizzly from either too close of a distance in the same berry patch or from a slightly safe distance. Like, every day for three days we had seen a brown bear, and I was like, oh, we haven't seen a brown bear today. (laughs) And then I were, uh, like it's a really twisty part of the river. So we're like in one bend and then you're quickly in the other S bend of it. And then I see like one S bend away, I can see a bear like in the creek or river fishing. Mm -hmm. And so I do the signal to Eddie out so to get our boats to the side. So we got to the side we stood up tall with our paddles said hey bear and the bear like took off from the river like ran through the river to the other side and like scaled a gigantic cliff like (laughs) 100 foot high cliff i was like i didn't know bears could rock climb this is insane and disappeared (laughs) we waited a little minute then we got back in our boats and the water was moving so quickly that when we got back in our boats we were like in the s-band bend where the uh, bear had been fishing like within like five seconds of getting back in the water so like if i hadn't looked up and seen it and us gotten to the side we would have just been like literally crashing into a bear in the middle of a river (laughs) wow Um, so yeah i guess i have a couple stories but they're not like oh i spoon fed it peanut butter or like i don't know if these other stories i heard about
0: well first off i'm glad you didn't spoon feed a bear peanut butter but second off (laughs) i'm so curious to how that person is still able to tell that story (laughs) that is that is bold defined oh my god i I did not know grizzly bears could rock climb that well either i've never seen a bear run up a hundred foot rock wall that's that's impressive
2: i yeah i just could not believe it yeah (laughs) but the bears up in the gates of the arctic they're not used to people being around so people and especially when you like do the calm like make yourself big thing they're terrified and they run away i mean don't rely on that please if you're going there take whatever protection is right for you to carry. But they
0: are scary. (laughs) This may be another tangent in question, but when I first moved to Canada, literally the first day I walked outside, had a cup of coffee and 10 feet away, it wasn't a grizzly bear, but it was a brown bear just walking down the road. Does Anchorage have the same thing going on every so often? Like I might just be picturing Alaska in a very different context than it is, but do grizzly bears just walk down the streets?
2: Um, we do get, the bears don't really walk down the street. They do cross them all the time. (laughs) What you do have is moose everywhere. So many moose. I mean, you'll see bear in the town and city and neighborhoods often. Mm -hmm. They're not usually cruising down the street. Like you'll see one like scramble across and then like disappear into the trees. But like you can have two moose in the middle of an intersection in like this, this, the town, like the downtown or the midtown part of Anchorage. And they'll just be like stopping traffic, like hanging out in the middle of the intersection. <laughs> and that, like, I see moose pretty much daily, like wow. on the streets, in my neighbor, in my yard. There's just moose everywhere.
0: <laughs> I would be curious your take on this because the more I hike, the more I feel, which may not be an accurate statement here, but the more I feel moose are quote unquote more dangerous than bears in a certain retrospect, as in, I don't like to call them this, but they seem dumber to the fact that they'll. Run at you or get in your way, like not choosing to hurt you, but like they seem more dangerous at a certain context. As an Alaskan native, do you feel the same, or, or bears still more more dangerous?
2: Um, I'm moose. I'm just more used to seeing, but okay. they are dangerous, and you definitely hear a lot more about people or dogs or whatever getting kicked by a moose, uh, just because there's so many more of them, and they're just so used to just hold like staying in the way or uh, but moose are I mean the whole this moose just want you out of their space so if you walk away from them or like scurry away from them they're just happy to keep munching on whatever they're munching on (laughs) um (laughs) bears are just so much scarier to me just because you can't run away from them because then they might think that that's a fun game um
0: a fun game
2: <laughs> yeah like a dog you know yeah. like they're just different a moose just wants like all a moose wants is wants you out of its area
0: yeah
2: a bear is like oh man there's so many different behaviors they could turn their side to you show you how big they are like they can climb trees like it's just they're just so much more scary to me yeah. um to deal with
0: I guess, I guess that's what it is it's the prevalence of just more moose to bear encounters that you hear more stories about a moose charging Mm -hmm. someone or you hear more stories about a moose accidentally or purposely kicking someone like you just hear more stories about moose encounters like going wrong yeah
2: yeah and they're scary they're dangerous and a lot of people are more scared of them um but ultimately if you run away if you go away from a moose that's usually all they want
0: I'm going to use that word of wisdom. Go away from the moose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, love the, I love the tangents. I apologize about going all, so deep on bears oh, yeah, and moose. It's all
1: good. These, <laughs> are, that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah. So we're going upwards of that hour that I promised you here. So I got two last questions for you. Um, I guess the first one that it's going to be is, I know you love these two-party questions, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with another. Okay.
2: So <laughs> two two-part questions or one two-part question?
0: <laughs> it's gonna be two two-part. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> but we'll we'll start with the first. Yeah, we'll start with the first two-part question, and then then move on to the second two-part question. But we'll start with the first one. So the question I like to ask folks here is, what does the trail mean to you? And for you, you can take that as the routes in Alaska the big trails in the US, the hiking in general for you. So like, what does the trail mean to you? And then I guess on the other side that I like to ask companies is what does Alpine Fit mean to you? Like, what does owning that company mean to you? What does building that company mean to you? I guess, yeah, two-part question.
2: Okay, the trail to me is, oh boy, this is gonna be cheesy. (laughs)
1: Like
2: a starting place for adventure. Nice. Um, Anything's possible just got to go get on it <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know if you could come up with something better with some time i guess it's
0: it's um, perfect that as it is that's why i asked the question is because the heartfelt response of if it's cheesy or not like it's how you feel so it's perfect as yeah. it is
2: yeah you're always gonna probably feel better than when you started on it when you come beautiful. back from it beautiful so uh what does alpine fit mean to me um Oh man, to me it seems like um, a vehicle for a future state. Um, I feel like we can do a lot to be a good example of how to run a company in line with values of like the customers that want to use the gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a very geographically remote location and it's a different kind of industry to have, you know, an apparel company here, there's a very small stone product industry here, but it's largely centered around fishing products and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I think it's a very unique opportunity to live in a place you want to live, have the outdoor life you want to have, and then hopefully create something that's a cool place for people to like have a job that they're passionate about while being able to live where they want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, of course, making great
0: products that allow you to have the kind of adventures you want to have so that's that's, that's awesome. cheesy <laughs> i like it I, your word choice i really i really like the vehicle to kind of pursue the goals of what you're looking for i, I like that word choice really cool so i guess maybe this is gonna be a single question yeah we can okay. we can make it two-parted <laughs> make it a three-part i, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't make it a three-part don't tempt me here we could make it we could make it a three-part I'm going to just ask it as a single question and see how you define it, and we'll go from there. So do you see an endpoint? Is there a goal you're looking to reach? And if so, what is that? No. Perfect. No (laughs) endpoint. Love it. (laughs) Perfect. Well, that is the most concise
2: answer of the whole show.
0: That is the most concise answer I've ever had on that question. I love it. <laughs> perfect. That's that's the show, folks. We're done. We're done. We're done. No, no. <laughs> so, perfect. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna expand upon that. That's that's exactly as it needs to be. So, Jen, I really appreciate your time. So, very last piece of the show, I want to give it over to you, the platform, so people can look more into Alpine Fit, check out your products, learn more about the company. So. Um, yeah, where can people learn more about you and, and Alpine Fit?
1: Okay, well,
2: alpinefit.com. Uh, we're on Instagram and the other social medias uh, at Alpine Fit Co. Uh, we, of course, love to expand the community and. Um, We really truthfully welcome visitors, so a lot of people plan Alaska trips, it turns out, and a lot of people fly in via Anchorage, and our workshop studio space is not far from the Anchorage airport, like 10, 15 minutes into town,
1: Mm.
2: so if you're literally in Anchorage, Alaska, come visit in person, Um, and then we're also going to do some events throughout the country this summer and plan more for next summer, so like PCT days, etc., so check our events page because we'd love to meet in person and show you our stuff. And I will personally be at PCT Days. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, alpinefit.com and reach out if you have any questions or anything at all.
0: Cool. I will link all of that in the show notes. And folks, go say hi to them at PCT Trail Days. You're going to have a blast, Jan. That's awesome. So yeah, thank you for thank you for hopping on the show.
2: Thanks for having me. It was really fun chatting with you. Well, that'll do
1: it for this week. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to pop on over to Apple Podcasts or whatever player you use and leave a rating and a review. It helps other people
0: find the show. This podcast is brought to you by Eleven Skies, gear that will change with you, not for you. So give us a check out at 11skies.com. And that's the show.
1: See you next week.